A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. It's all take, take, take at Leeds United this season. Taking the points from Wolves, taking heart from Sam Byram, taking the piss out of Darren Ferguson. Now, if we could only find out who took all the pens, maybe Ken could finish this takeover. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball podcast. Uh, and welcome along with me, Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. Issue one of the magazine went on sale against Wolverhampton. And what an issue. It's also going to be on sale against Blackburn. And if we've got any copies left at Hull, we'll tell you all about that a little bit later on. Don't forget, subscriptions also available via the website. That's the squareball.net. Into white watching first then, part one of the Squareball podcast. Gents, we started off with a victory. Hooray. League football. We're going League up. football. Against a club we'd mainly tipped for promotion. Yes, until they got their useless new manager. And all their players decided they want to go to West Ham. Well, one of yes. them. We're overpriced, man, going to West Ham. Well, it, it is. how come Matt Jarvis is worth, what is it? Nine and a half million? Yeah, yeah, and Robert Snodgrass, we got, what, two, three? Well, I suppose we're not allowed to know, but I'm sure it wasn't nine million. I think he's got three years left on his contract, so uh, that might be the reason why. Still. Okay. Anyway. I uh, don't care for this other team selling players for big money. I want to sell our players for big money. I'm going to sell them all anyway. So does Ken. Um, to the football itself, yes. uh, very, very encouraging signs from this first game. Very impressed. It was solid. I was impressed that we didn't just fall apart and concede loads of goals, which I was expecting. And it was prettier than I was actually expecting, to be perfectly honest, given what we were served up at the end of last season and the way Wolves have been forever. Well, Michael Brown wasn't playing. That's right. And neither was Pew. So there were two immediate... So he was solid. Two cultural moves right there. Good uh, debut from Rodolph Austin, already installing himself as a cult hero on the seats, not the terraces. Some great tackles. I love a good tackle, and he's a man I'm going to love. You love a man's tackle. <laughs> we did tip him early for a player of the season, and I think yeah. early signs out that'll probably uh, probably be correct. He basically he's one player of the season for Leeds with most of what he did for Bran that made <laughs> yeah. it onto YouTube. All that's kind of been taken into account anyway. Good debut for Paul Green as well. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. 
He's good. I bet that injury is one of those ones that will drag on for the whole season. He's a Steve Stone Mark II, isn't he? Yeah, it'll be back in a few weeks. A setback. Operation. He's training again. He doesn't need an operation. He doesn't need an operation. He'll be back. He's had an operation. <laughs> we'll see him next season. Yeah. <laughs> like a new signing. <laughs> yeah, good debut as well from Sam Byram, who's looking like uh, he's going to be a very, very decent asset for us as a club. Good job we snapped him up on the Monday morning. Inside him down for a three-year contract. Just quick, quickly, uh, before he's got any grasp of what the other players are earning. Yeah, yeah. look at this, £1,000 a week. Imagine earning that. He's, he's so dizzy That's what you can be earning in three years' time. <laughs> at the end of the season when he's uh, one player of the year and Young comes, player of the year. comes back for asking for, for two grand a week, we'll say, get away. I'm looking for houses in, in Norwich. Yeah. Um, another notable performer was Ross McCormack, straight on the back of signing his new contract. Uh, which we talked about, it was impending on the last podcast. He put pen to paper and it was a good performance in this first game. Do you remember last season, at the very start of last season, when we suggested that we give all our players free roles? It's finally looks like it's been given to McCormack because we've sold everyone else what we're going to do. I think it was um, Snodgrass, Housen and Gradle all in a free role and Bassoni and Painter and everyone else. But McCormack is the one that's still there and looks like he can actually play it. And well, yes, what happened to the penis formation? Well, it's now got just this random element of spunk that's <laughs> just kind of running up and down the side of it in the shape of Ross McCormack. Oh, good nice. I'm sure we'll be delighted by that comparison. Um, but the shaft. goal, I mean, if we're going to be direct this season, I don't mind us being direct with Kenny swerving long-range passes out to the wing for McCormack, like a modern-day Ben Parker to swing across the cross that Becchio can sweep home at uh, ankle heights. I loved that goal. I loved that goal possibly in just many ways. Everything about it just filled me with joy. The way it replicated that Millwall goal, exactly the way Becchio celebrated in exactly the same way. Something of a Gary Kelly head- header as well. Well, Quite low down. Yeah, Not quite into the, the bottom six inches of grass territory. But. He, he, read the, uh, he read the flight of the ball superbly. I'm actually quite glad that we can't afford a proper striker because I'll be happy if Becchio just scores 20 this season doing this well he's well on the way to doing it isn't he yes one thing i really enjoyed was watching it back on sky plus was the the look of exasperation on the wolves manager's face you know as it stole back and mm. they did come back into it in the second half when we brought did we bring lees on in place of i can't remember who we came on for but i know mccormack had gone by that point and then rudolph austin had basically gone to play in central defense as well so we had like four center backs and that's when Kenny started having these moments of just towards the second half of a game. I don't know if he's thinking about his party later on or what, but he starts. He was doing it against Shrewsbury when he's the second half. He switched off and started throwing the ball around a bit. And he did that against uh, Wolves towards the end as well. But clean sheet, though. Yeah. He's doing something right. Couldn't buy them last season. And just a quick note on the attendance it's the lowest first home game attendance since we played Exeter at the start of the 2009 10 season. Wow. Mm. There's been a downward trajectory over the last four years. Yeah, the 9 10 Exeter in a lower division was 27.5. Derby, 26,700. Middlesbrough, 25,600. And then 23,700 for Wolves. So every season, it's well, it's gone down about a thousand a season, and then taken a two thousand dive. There are mitigating circumstances. It's on TV. So was the Derby, was Derby one early, well. early kickoff. So was the Derby. Right. Well, no, Derby was tea time, wasn't it? Yeah. But was Borough? I think Borough was a three o'clock one. 
Ken Bates is a bigger prick now than he was then. Yeah, that's probably a factor. Well, he's not, well, not bigger. He's just been around longer. Well, you mentioned dives as well, which is a perfect tee-up for the Blackpool away game, which was on the Tuesday. Mm. Um, surprise, surprise, Tuesday night, another defeat. Well. I'll take that, though. They're all right. 2-1, Blackpool. I thought. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> we got a goal. It was looking so promising as well. Yeah. And, but that was apparently it was a game to answer a few questions, that one, wasn't it? Well, Wolves was kind of... We didn't expect to beat them, so it was a bonus. Whereas Blackpool, we kind of, I think, flattered ourselves that we might be around their level if we were lucky. Or at least at the end of last season, we probably thought, yeah, we'll be at least as good as Blackpool next season. So it's kind of a better game to see what our level is. And our level is a 2-1 defeat, by looks of things. And we all overlooked Blackpool in our predictions for who might be challenging at the top, but they look pretty useful. I yes. must admit, the, the results seemed better at the Peterborough match when I saw they were uh, demolishing Ipswich. I thought that would have been us last season. And it's all the son of scum that's doing it. I think, um, what's what's Blackpool's manager called? Holloway. Holloway. Holloway the woman's prison. has. Uh, <laughs> he, he said that um, Swansea can't have um, Ince's son for a million, zillion, billion pounds, I think is his quote. I think that's not true, is it, either? If he, if he was offered <laughs> that much, I think he'd take it. No, I think Blackpool's chairman would take it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He's fond of taking money. Yeah, yeah I think the, the term we used was trousered on last season's <laughs> podcast. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Would you have, you'd need pretty big trousers for a, a billion, zillion <laughs> pounds. Yeah, and so it's that little runt that's, uh, that's causing all the trouble. Sell him, and then we might beat them at home. Um, a set-piece goal from Tom Lees in this game. Annoyingly, I, I backed Tom Lees pretty much every game, first scorer last year, and I've stopped doing it this year. <laughs> Start again. Oh, well. Right, on to the Peterborough game. You mentioned it then. Back to winning ways, but they were pretty dire, weren't they, all things considered? Michael, I'll turn to you first because you went to this. Bit of a novelty for you. You actually watched this game sober. So. I did. I drove. How did that feel? Um, unnerving. Strange when you, you you feel a bit more like you're, you're actually watching the game. Strange. The time goes slowly as well. Have they not laid on a beer festival as well for you? They had. It was, it was heartbreaking. Parked, right, parked up right next to a beer festival and, uh, and was driving. Married life has really changed you, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Disappointing. Did you, have, did you have a spaniel in the back? <laughs> Most married people just drive Volvos around on weekends with a spaniel in the back and it sounds like that's where you pull up at a beer festival, have a half, <laughs> let the dog stretch its legs and then drive three hours Don't home. Don't speak about my wife. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, football, <laughs> football was going on. Um, we were quite good. They were, I mean, they were awful. They seemed to have a sort of pretensions of playing a passing game, but are not really good enough. A bit like us in League One, then. Well, we still had a, a cut, bit like us last year. We <laughs> had a cutting edge of sorts, though. They they looked. They, I don't know the guy's name, but they had a striker up front who was taken off. It was just just awful. He had a few moments where he thought he was doing that thing of running at a defender and sort of flailing his arms around trying to look tricky. And both times eventually, no, I'm I'm just gonna have the ball off you. You've got nothing. You've got no pace. You've got no you've got no tricks. Just got Mr. Tickle like arms. <laughs> but so we when we took an early lead and then they didn't really threaten until until they scored. Which I think was an error from Norris. I'm glad we're looking to apportion blame this early in the season. It's yeah, very important. Yeah. It was definitely it? his yeah. fault and Juice's <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sake of it really. Uh but we we worried me slightly in that once we got two up, and even to be honest, even once we got once we got one goal up, we don't seem particularly bothered about attacking anymore. Which I think was the uh, theme in the Wolves and Blackpool games as well that we seem happy to sit on a lead, oh. well, which always worries me. I mean, admittedly, with this year we do seem relatively well equipped we to do get it. a lead to to actually hold on to a lead though, because against with Grayson you always felt we'd probably score at some point, but as we saw against 
Preston and the like, even a few goals isn't enough when you've got awful defence. We keep taking McCormack off. I feel a bit sorry for McCormack because mm. he, he's not one of these strikers who's a complete passenger when he's yeah when he's not scoring. He contributes quite a bit, I think. So I, I feel a bit sorry for him. Particularly being taken when we're bringing on sort of young kids who've, who've never played in place of him. How does Dominic Polion look? Our youthful great grand hope. Didn't touch the ball very much. He kind of ran it. It, was, it came on at the stage where we were trying to run the ball into corners and, and hold it there, which he did. He did yeah. all right. He broke a few times. It gave him something to think about, whatever that may be. On to the Oxford match in the League Cup. Um, not that significant in the grand scheme of things in the season, but encouraging that we're not making heavy weather of these fixtures anymore. We're just using them as an excuse to score grand goals from, from distance and with cheek. The Beast from distance and Lord Byron with cheek. I thought his little jink and chip was uh, a thing of beauty. Confident for a 13-year-old. It's, not, <laughs> it's unexpected. He did very well against Peterborough as well, actually, when he came on. He caused them some problems. Because obviously against Wolves, he was at right back and didn't show a great deal of attacking threat. But he, uh, he carved out a couple of chances against Peterborough. If only we'd known this when we made our young uh, player of the year. Uh, it's strange. He does seem to have come from nowhere. Because he was, he was not even on the fringes of the first team last season. Even though we were crap and we're playing Paul Connolly quite often. It seems odd that he's come from... Uh, come from nowhere but I'm glad he has the thing about his goal last night was that it was supremely self-confident because he could have just hammered it once he was in that situation he's up against a that's what the keeper thought he was doing well, <laughs> well yeah, he, little eyes little eyebrows the little, put him down the litmus test here is what would Billy have done Billy Painter yeah <laughs> fallen over yeah <laughs> spooned it off his right foot oh he also he'd still be warming up along the touchline wouldn't he <laughs> our, reser- our reserve keeper kept a clean sheet oh yes Point. Take that, Rahubka. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still our reserve keeper, technically. He's our reserve reserve keeper. He's not, though, is he, really? I mean, yeah, injury crisis. Paddy Kenny gets a, a nose injury. So he bites his nose off rather than his <laughs> eyebrow, yeah. And finally, as well, there's a cross from Duff and the header from Tom Lees. Again, forming a pattern. Yes. Were you a bit disappointed, as I was, against Wolves when Duff actually looked quite good? No. Because I thought, ah, shit, he might actually be worth signing here. I was kind of hoping he'd come on, I was kind of hoping he'd come on and just look awful. But his set-piece delivery and his first touch is actually really... And, it was and hold- at the end of the game as well, when he was just running, running the play down. Yeah, he holding was, it up, just yeah. drawing fouls, things like that, you yeah. know. The things that we perhaps don't have the... Uh, I think they're called, like, it's professionalism, isn't it? Gamesmanship and that sort of thing. He's got that element about his personality, primarily because he's a bit of a twat. Um, but uh, he seems to do it quite well, so... Well done, Duff. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think the disparity between him doing quite well and him being lauded as if he was reinventing the game from scratch uh, is still troubling to me. But if he plays well, he plays well. Those who have only seen Billy Painter will have indeed thought he'd reinvented <laughs> the game, to be fair. Um, and seven goals in four games, our opening four matches. It's encouraging considering we still don't have a number nine. We have, but he's... Playing number 10. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, but we haven't signed that number nine who's going to be our top scorer. Screw it, we don't need one. Just keep Becchio fit. Opening four matches, how do we feel, all things considered? It's gone well. I'm pleased. Considering we've got no players, no money. Ken Bates is still there. Yeah, the manager's pissed off and we're playing children and borderline criminals. (laughs) (laughs) I I could be talking about Paddy Kenny there, you never know. Um, It's going all right really, isn't it? Blackpool, whatever, rest of the time. As Tom Lee said in his interview before last night's game, he said, we've we've made ourselves very hard to beat. He'd obviously forgotten about the Blackpool game. Well, obviously the, the elephant in the room is the takeover, so it will probably be wise now. We'll pause for a second 
uh, get Phil Hay on the line from the Yorkshire Evening Post and catch up with what's going on with that. We'll do it now. Phil Hay, welcome along. Welcome, how are you doing? Lovely to have you on the podcast again. So, Phil, can you give us an update on the takeover situation as it stands? Well, to be perfectly honest, it doesn't seem to have moved anywhere uh, since the week leading up to the, the game against Wolves when it was perfectly obvious that there were pretty intense negotiations running all the way through that week up to the point on Saturday when two individuals from GFH Capital, the, the private equity firm in, in Dubai, appeared at Ellen Road and, and were in the stand with, with Ken Bates. Um, it was it seemed to be as, as big a signal as any that, uh, that things were, were progressing. But I have to say, since then, there's been complete silence and, and total confusion. And, and I really don't get the impression that, that this is any further down the line now than, than it was back then. But in saying that, to, to go back to the, the week before the Wolves game, I very much got the impression at that stage that that this was essentially done and that, that there was very little else to talk about apart from a few sticking points or, or as they were described to me, necessary legal matters. I think after three months, they've they've done pretty much all the talking they need to do. And it, it does just seem to be a case now of this is either going to happen or it's not. And it's going to happen when, when somebody says that it will. I, I just don't see after this length of time what else there is to negotiate and, and what else there is to discuss. So if you think all the talking's been done, have we now reached a standoff point where it's a case of who believes Links first. Pretty much. I mean, that, that's where I think we are. I, I think the, the deal is there to be done if both sides want to do it. Um, and and I think if both sides agree to do it, then I'm, I'm sure it'll go ahead. We certainly, the impression we get from, from all contacts on the buyer's side is, is that they're still confident of this going on. They're still determined to push it through. And and certainly, I mean, I can't, I can't say this for 100% fact, and we'll only know when, as and when the deal goes through, but certainly seem to be given the impression that they have the money to do it. But the length of time that, that this has gone on for is becoming ridiculous and it, it's it's reached the stage now where it, it really is having an impact on, on what's happening at the club you know, in, in the immediacy and you know, the transfer deadline falls on Friday uh, at midnight. I don't see anybody else signing, barring El Hajjouf who's obviously considering a contract at the moment, I don't see anybody else signing for Leeds and, and Neil Warnock's given us the impression you know, for the best part of two weeks now that, that there will be nobody else coming through and that seems to be a direct result of the fact that there are no transfer funds, there is no money for him to work with and you know, the, the takeover, whatever help it has given him through the summer, it, it, it's no longer given him any in the, you know, the closing hours of the window. Do you think the buyers are in this for the long term and they're prepared to play a waiting game on this one? They certainly seem to be patient. I'm a little bit surprised that they, they haven't even either given um, Ken Bates an ultimatum or, or walked away completely. I, from speaking to a couple of very good legal contacts of mine, they, they take the view that these processes usually last for a maximum of a couple of months. And if you go beyond that, that point, it, it suggests that a deal is either in trouble or, or pretty unlikely to happen. Um, so the fact that they're sticking around suggests that they do want the club and they don't want this deal to go under. Um, as far as the reasons why they're in it or, or how long the, the projection is or how much money they're going to commit to the club, I honestly can't say. We've had absolutely no detail on that front at all. And you know, as much as I, I agree with people who say that a change is needed at, at Ellen Road and, and as much as the lack of transfer funds makes you realise how much it's needed, um, I, I would stop short of, of endorsing this takeover on the basis that we've had no details about who the people are who are, who are going to be buying the club ultimately, how much money they have, what their plans are for the future or even how suitable they, they'd be. And I know that when Leeds put their statement out on June the 26th, they said that 
that they would pass the fit and proper persons test that the, the football league have or the, the owners and directors test as it's called now. But you know, with these things, the proof of the pudding is always in the eating, and you know you they'll be judged on their merits. I certainly don't think you can say that this is a good takeover simply because it's an alternative to the the Ken Bates re- regime. As I say, I. I I totally see the need for a change at Ellen Road, but we just have to be a little bit cautious to uh, not to judge these people before they're in the door and, and doing the business. Something the buyers do seem to have done, though, is pumped money in, you revealed in your uh, newspaper this week in the Yorkshire Evening Post. So uh, can you shed some light on that? Does that give them a sort of legal stand in them with regards to this takeover? Very possibly. I mean, a lot of talk in the last few weeks is is of that being one of the sticking points that, that you know some some agreement over what that money constitutes um whether it would be due back to the buyers um in, in the event that the takeover fell through again i haven't had confirmation on that from either side but from from people who, who seem to be well connected that that is the impression i'm being given i mean as far as we understand the, there was money put up by the buyers to help with the the contract for for aiden white um it also seems that that some money from from that side was used to, to push through the Luke Varney transfer from Portsmouth. So I think it is pretty clear that, that money has come forward from the buyers, but it also seems from you know pretty informed suggestions that there is no more money coming in at the moment from their side. I, I, if that is correct, I would assume it's because they want this deal to go through and, and are not prepared to put up any more money until that happens. Equally, you know, contacts on the, the seller's side have said that suggested that scheduled payments were missed by the buyers. As I say, the, the buyers give the impression, or the contacts close to the buyers give the impression that, that they aren't going to put in any more money while, while this remains pending. So it's a case of he said, she said. Um, very, very difficult to see the clear picture. And you know the, the confidentiality clause that, that's applying to this at the moment isn't helping either. It, it is masking a, a pretty odd situation and a pretty bizarre scenario where we assume there's a takeover and um, we you know, still think it's possible that it might happen. But frankly, nobody is any the wiser than they were two or three months ago. Brilliant, Phil. Thank you very much for your input. Cheers, mate. Bye. And there he goes, Phil Hay from the Yorkshire Evening Post, Leeds United correspondent. Gents, your feelings about the takeover at this stage and like what Phil's just said? Makes me want to kill myself, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> or hurt someone. Just it's... end it. Send it now. Not not you, Michael. I think he means to take it. I might actually, he might <laughs> no. not. No. It's starting to feel like we need to get used to the idea that the end of the transfer window is a deadline for us and for our season, but it's not necessarily a deadline for people who are looking to own Leeds United for, well, forever. We don't know who they are or how long they want it for, but it may not be as big a deal to them getting past this um, this weekend as it is to us because they don't own the club now, and so whether we get promoted this season or not isn't really their problem to yeah, that, well, that's what I was getting at about uh, when I asked Phil about is it a case of who blinks first? Because obviously this transfer deadline cut-off point is very significant uh, to the fans and it's probably what Ken Bates is using as a, a natural deadline, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if they're backing off and saying, it's okay, we don't need to complete by then, it puts the power back in, in their hands, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because Ken Bates, after this weekend, is basically left with a club that's got no players no money to sign players, no opportunity to sign players apart from the emergency loans window. Hey. A manager who welcome back who wanted to sign a load of players and hates loan signings. And I mean, we've been talking about cash flow problems since the moment the accounts and all that stuff about mortgaging season ticket money came out at the end of last season. And so, if you're looking to take over what sounds like a mess. 
and you've got some what you thought was an agreement in place that is now being faffed with, it's probably easy to just sort of sit back and say, you know what, Ken, you sort that out. We'll just wait over here until you're ready to actually do the deal that we agreed. You try and run this this rapidly sinking ship for as long as you can. They sent Ken to his room, said, come down when you're in a nicer mood. <laughs> and don't put your telly on. You can't afford it. The money pumped into the club doesn't all go well, does it? That they've had to put money in that's just gone now. Why possibly? would anyone give money to Ken? <laughs> yeah. I, can think, I can think of literally millions of people in the world I would give money to before Bates. And none... I would give money to you after, if that makes sense. Oh, I don't know what I mean. Yeah. But you know what I mean. You can only hope and imagine that it's tied up, that, well, that they've got better lawyers than Ken Bates has madcap schemes. That's all I can cling to is that they've put this money in for, um, it sounds like it's gone in to pay for players' wages and players' for, uh, transfer fees. So in a way, it's kind of, it's it's not lost to them because if it's for, say, Ross McCormack's contract, then Ross McCormack will be there should they then take the club over unless Bates drowns him or something (laughs) and steals the insurance money. It'll be like when people get the houses repossessed and go around smashing things up. (laughs) Taking all the light switches off and put all the windows through. Left a big shit in the toilet. It's like Tom Lee's in pieces in the dressing room. So the supporters' trust have broken their silence that they'd imposed upon themselves up the pressure once again and left Ken Bates in a situation where this has to happen and it has to happen soon because he's things, got a lot of pens. He's got a lot of pens. Things could turn <laughs> ugly. And then, you know, yeah. what, the pen is mightier than the sword. I think, um, throw that one at you. I think lust figured there's some people in the box. They think it's all over and everyone just expected it to be, you know, that to be a sign that something would be done. Cause why would you be sat? I mean, you wouldn't spend an afternoon in Ken Bates's company unless you were about to, transact some important business so yeah hands off and see what happens and then nothing happens so hands back on again the pens thing the pen for ken thing i thought was absolutely fantastic the way it genius just grew it? totally spontaneous a spontaneous idea simple and it gets uh it also got ken bates's home address into the public domain <laughs> which um which i'd like to add it was because it was on documents at company's house yes it was but not widely publicized and you know I'm not suggesting anybody goes and pays my personal visit, but if you are in the uh, the south of France, uh, northern Italy area, it's a nice part of the world. I believe he's, you can find him easily. But anyway, um, I, I mean, just the idea of him getting a bunch of pens delivered because it'll make him look like an ass in his cafe, if nothing else. It's and, just, I think, even though it's a bit childish, it's actually quite funny, isn't it? It's the, hilarious. The, the thought of him, oh, no, another bloody pen. Susan, <laughs> <laughs> another bloody pen. It does show almost the gallows humour of Leeds fans. Yeah. That even when we got relegated, there was that kind of black humour amongst Leeds fans, even though you sort of didn't want it to happen, you knew it was going to happen. I enjoyed reading some of the letters as well that have gone with yeah. it. The, it was, one of my favourites was, um, it was quite a sincere letter saying, listing all the ills of, of Ken Bates. It was from the guy who did the used to do the fan zone commentary, in fact, on uh, they did the Arsenal one. where Bobby he was yeah. yeah, doing the, Fenuka! that one. <laughs> Um, and it wrote this quite a nice letter then in the end. But I've had uh, I've had two thirds of this pen up my ass for the for a good half hour or something. <laughs> I thought, what a brilliant the childish end to it. Oh, fantastic! Right, well, we know that the uh, the lack of money is impacting transfer, so no money available to bring people in. 
uh, emergency loans. Wait, you wait till we sell Danny Pugh. We'll have, we'll have untold riches. <laughs> Literally tens of pounds. Uh, one good thing, though, somebody who is like a new signing is Ross McCormack because he, he signed his contract, so that's good. We mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, Juve, not at the time of recording, signed his contract. There is an offer on the table. Well, even Warnock was saying after the Oxford game that he's got better offers elsewhere, um, at least financially, and he's basically hoping <laughs> that um, he finds it in his heart to, uh, to, to play for f- effectively for free. If he's uh, turning down that much of a pay rise to go somewhere else, we may as well just try and get him for nothing. Maybe this can be his time to pay back. Yes. He's had to think about yeah. all the things he's done. And he's thought, I'm going to give something back to Leeds United now. I've changed. I've, honestly, I've changed. <laughs> Have me back. Have me back. I think back. the likeliest scenario is he'll probably agree to sign for Leeds United, but for more money than I could possibly ever earn, hope to earn <laughs> in, a, in a year anyway. But he will regard as, as a charitable gesture. Um, so Robbie Rogers was transfer listed after we uh, we recorded last time, but he's now gone on loan to Stevenage. My we, God, what the hell is he going to make a Stevenage and Stevenage going to make a him? I tweeted I tweeted about this. It's commuter belt. It's home counties. He'll be in bloody Yo Sushi and Starbucks in London all the no, time. No, I know I know someone from Stevenage. It's not going to be like well, you know, he can get to London, but the guy Los well, Angeles, know. New York, Leeds, Stevenage. Stevenage. I do. Does he have a Nando's? Oh, probably. I hope, I hope for his sake there's a Nando's. I loved, um, I'm going to continue following him on Twitter because he just gives such good value. He's essentially like a cartoon character, isn't he? When he said uh, a couple of weeks ago that he had just totally dominated a packet of wine gums. <laughs> <laughs> dominated a packet of wine gums. Get in there, Robbie. Um, and he described the service somewhere as Roberto Garbaggio. It, yeah, the service here is totally Roberto Garbaggio. Wait till people are slinging bacon butties at him in a Stevenage transport calf. Um, no, I wish him well. Glad he's off the wage bill if he was never going to play. Well, what it'll do is it'll get him some experience, won't it? And we can get some first-team games under his belt. We can see what he's genuinely made of, whether he's worth keeping. Because he's not going to get that big opportunity with us this season, is he? So why not get out and play some games? And he's got that big opportunity with Stevenage Borough. Indeed. Danny Pugh also transfer-listed, much to the disappointment of probably on his mum. Yeah, such or, a... or am I being a bit unfair to him then? No, not at all. Um, I think everybody was... It's weird how as soon as he was transfer-listed, then Green got injured and now he's back in the team. And Bornock must be cursing every pound that goes into Danny Pugh's pocket while Juve is sitting there going, but you know, for just five pounds more a week, I would sign. It's like, we're paying that to Danny. Well, it's your decision, Neil. We did Andy O'Brien a massive disservice in the last podcast because we completely forgot to mention him on all the ins and outs, which I feel quite guilty for. Did we mention Darren O'Day? We did, yeah, we actually mentioned oh, O'Day had gone over to MLS, but uh, we totally forgot Andy O'Brien, so I listened back to it and I thought, oh God, we didn't mention O'Brien. Anyway, yeah, he's gone to Vancouver Whitecaps, hasn't he? New mm. life on the uh, on the West Coast. Um, and he's done an interview in which he, he moans about players. <laughs> Is Vancouver on the coast? Yeah, it's on the west coast of Canada, isn't it? Just above Seattle and all that. I'd never thought of it as a, as a coastal town. I'll take it all back. Carry on. Yeah, and he, he moaned about players in England being treated like cattle, essentially, didn't he? It's just because somebody's given him strawberries. Well, it's... Strawberries, sorry, expand. Well, in his interview, he says that after he'd been there for... Now, this is where I think it's not footballers in general. I think it's Andy O'Brien, because footballers are a sociable lot. You saw when uh, we had the two Mickers last season, and they were straight down Nando's with Robbie Rogers. You can see all this now playing out on Twitter, and it's amazing. So it took them, like, within days, they're all out having dinner together. Andy O'Brien said that he'd been at Vancouver for two weeks when one of his teammates invited him round for dinner. And then they had dinner and then they walked together along the beach and then they went and knocked on um, 
one of their other teammates, and they sat eating strawberries, having a glass of wine. And they said, "I bet how- he's played in the movie by Tom Hanks." <laughs> he said how great it was that he doesn't have to go to a nightclub to socialise with uh, his teammates. He can just sit having a glass of wine, some strawberries, looking at the ocean. It's only no wonder he ended up being depressed. But um, his this two weeks before that anybody actually invited him out for dinner, and yet. We know that other players at Leeds are straight out to Nando's together. I mean, you're just, I mean, Kiznorbo, Nunez, and Sommer, and all that crew keep dragging Becchio down to Fazenda, even though he probably doesn't know where they're taking him. Like, you can't separate them, no matter how far away you send Mike Grella. He still comes back to hang out with Ramon. Whereas Andy O'Brien thinks that because somebody's out invited him out for dinner once in two weeks, he's now, they're now the best friends. I hate to break it to you, Andy. I think they hate you too. But um, good luck in your new career. <laughs> also, it shows the lack. I hate it when footballers show the lack of self-awareness, saying things like "treated like cattle" because you think, well, not not really, not really, because cattle highly are, paid cattle. Yeah, cattle don't receive a wage and then are sh- murdered generally. <laughs> Whereas footballers just kind but, of mm, cattle are a bit tastier than Andy O'Brien. So I've heard. True. But yeah, he's uh, gone and found himself a new life. So good luck to him. I mean, maybe he's just a different animal. Pardon the pun. Um, compared to the, the, the Nando's quaffing idiots at Leeds. I, I, imagine, I imagine it sounds like he's, he's quite a hippie now. I imagine him growing, growing, his, his, hair. growing his hair, wearing a, kind of a cheesecloth shirt. Yeah. Got VW camper van. Yeah. Whereas, so, whereas Ramon Nunes is in Oceana drinking bloody VK cherry and dancing his, his Burberry. His leather bow tie and his check shirt. Yes. His velvet smoking jacket. Maybe. Oh, Ramon, can we please just keep Nunes? Maybe Andy O'Brien is the same one, who knows. Uh, let's move on to, to Ken's programme notes. Um, against Wolves, we love this line. When a player signs a new contract or an extension, it is as good as signing a new one. No, it's not, no. is it? It's not. <laughs> it's like keeping a player, yeah. is what it's like. Which, which, I, know, which I know is a, novel, it is. Is a novelty at Ellen Road, is that for crying out loud? But <laughs> We've been through this, Ken. Do you think whenever um, there's contract negotiations with a player, actually, they sort of are made to leave and then come back in yeah. for the new contract? It's like, who are you? We've had you a uh, shirt made up with your number on. I've had that number for like three years now. What, what, what's your name again? It's Ross McCormack. <laughs> I work here. Not familiar with you. Um, something else he dropped into the, the Oxford programme was that he decided now he's feeling sorry for the supporters club and maybe it's time for, for a reproachment. Yeah, there was a lovely part about him saying... Uh, that when they took on uh, the Peacock, he thought that was quite a brave move. When they took on the Peacock, he was slagging them to high heaven. I, I hope they released a statement telling him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they should, don't they? They should do by right, shouldn't they? But take, it, your, take your pity back to Monaco. Yeah. Just yeah. fuck off, Ken. You've had no interest in us. <laughs> and something else that's been uh, in the programme notes this season is the gloating over the Yorkshire radio figures. Do you want me to explain these? Go on then. If do you, you, would, do you on radio, understand man. radio? I do, yes. Working in radio as I do now. Having your own jingle as I you do, do now. Yes, it's, yeah, it's very embarrassing. Stop it. You um, keep playing it on a Saturday afternoon though. So what Ken said was uh, latest radar figures show the progress that we have made and continue to make. But he mentioned that when Yorkshire Radio started up, it had no listeners. Well, of course not, because it didn't exist. So going from zero to something is definitely a sign of progress. No, I think this is he's right here and we should take a leaf out of uh, from Ken Bates's transistor here and pat ourselves on the back because how many people listened to this podcast before we started doing it that's true yeah well done lads well done 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. You pat yourself on the back. You, you. There we go. Well done everyone. And thank you to all our listeners as well. Although, yeah. where were you before we started? <sighs> Wankers. Yeah. Morons. That's what, that's what they are. Morons. Yeah, so, right, the figure's rocking now. I'll try, I'll try and do this in as painless a way as possible to explain it. Uh, what Bates has claimed in his programme notes is that they have 106,000 listeners. That means on a weekly basis. That sounds like a lot, Dan. It does, yeah. It's on a weekly basis. However, the accepted listening figures that the industry uses say 88,000. That sounds like less, Dan. That sounds it like is. a lie. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think... It, it's not necessarily a lie so much as massaging the figures. Um, the high, the highest the station has had is actually 96,000 listeners on its own. So he's added 10,000 to their highest ever figure. Well, what he's either doing is either including under-16s in these figures, which the industry doesn't do, or he's adding together the Minster FM audience on a Saturday. To be fair, he's all right including under-16s because that's pretty much the only people they allow on the Yorkshire Radio phone-in. <laughs> so they should count. Yeah, so if you want to work out the uh, size of the audience, what you do is you multiply the number of listeners, 88,000, by the average number of hours each one listens by, which is 4.1, which gives you a total hours of 360,000 for the station, yeah? Understand? Mm. I'm with you so far, yes. And the other thing to note is that Yorkshire Radio broadcasts to a potential 4.5 million people, which means that it's got a 0.4% market share. Or is it to 4.5 million potential people? Is it including unborn children? Um, No. Okay. Let's not get this more complex than you need to. Right, so by comparison, Radio Air, where we record this, Broadcast to just under seven hundred thousand people. I understand it's uh, that number has increased considerably on Saturday afternoons <laughs> over the last few weeks since uh, since somebody started playing all the best new music for Leeds. Uh, Radio Air broadcast to seven hundred thousand people, just under. It reaches one hundred seventeen thousand compared to uh, Yorkshire Radio's eighty eight thousand. Uh, the average listener for Air is seven point one hours, giving them eight hundred twenty seven thousand total hours and a six point five percent market share. So, if that all makes sense, right? What you do. You compare these year on year, um, but what Bates isn't saying is that the figures from three years ago uh, are now 100,000 hours down on the high for the station, which was 465,000. So the figures are always spun in a positive way. Strength to strength. Yeah. That's what this radio station is <laughs> So it's all fine and well saying it's going from strength to strength, but it's actually down over the last three years quite substantially. So, you know, the figures are massaged, they're twisted, they're spun, and then Ken just says words. Will you uh, 
have a PowerPoint presentation on this subject available uh, to download chat? alongside the podcast. That was terribly technical, wasn't it? And I, can, I can only apologise for that. What we can say is that he's, uh, he's bending the truth around his listener figures and that Yorkshire Radio is doing better than it did before it existed, but it's not doing as well as it was doing a while ago. Essentially, yeah. I mean, Michael, you work in advertising, don't you? So the question is, is it going to make its money back? You know, get up against how much it's going to cost to run the thing. Well, my old boss um, had a meeting with Ken Bates prior to setting up the Yorkshire Radio um, and told him not to because it wouldn't make any money. And then he went and did it anyway because Ken loves radio. <laughs> um, and sure enough, it hasn't made any money. And it's not going to really because not enough people listen to it. And the only pe- the only reason anyone listens to it is because it has the Leeds United commentary, which is a saleable asset, which we are not selling. We are instead giving it free to an in-house thing, which still somehow loses money. Amazing. Which is quite an achievement. It's like it's the equivalent of, of me giving Moscow a, a garage full of cars and him for free and then him somehow losing money on them. <laughs> I'm not a very good salesman, to be, <laughs> to be fair. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. On to part three of the Square Ball Podcast now. Oh, don't like him. That's what this bit's called, isn't it? Who are you talking about? Oh, I don't like him. Is, now, is this... there a reason for that intake of phlegm? Oh, yeah. Don't like him. Yeah, it's about El Hadjouf. This obviously is something of a... He's become an anti-hero. He's something of a hate figure. Um, and this bit is about... And a love figure as well. Yeah. And, an do... anti-hero, really, because mm. he's been sort of uh, praised for being a bad boy, if that's the right way to look at it. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so this is about players that you never warmed to. We put this one out to Facebook and Twitter today, didn't we? And we got... Floods of response. Um, before we go through those, any particular Leeds players that you can recall that you never, never liked, really? I share with, it was Pete Buss, who I think contacted us on Facebook, um, said exactly what the first thing that came to my mind is. is Carton, bloody Palmer. Peter said it three times. And I agree with him on nearly every point. Well, not fit to lace Batty's boots. This is true. The fact that we'd sold Batty to Blackburn and then this pea-headed, idiot turned up instead and um i like what pete says he says um i'm even on match of the day when he scored at lesser and i'm firmly sat down while everyone <laughs> around me was jumping up and i i i was quite a young chap when carlton palm was playing and i think if you're like 14 years old you regard all these players as brilliant but he was always one i remember i had a poster of him um on my wall that had actually defaced with like David Batty graffiti just to make the point that he may sock it to the man. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, and yeah. I thinking of Carlton Palmer. I was watching. Um, there's a, a good collection of '80s highlights from Leeds games on YouTube, and if you trawl through them far enough, you can find Ian Snowden and Carlton Palmer having an absolutely fantastic scrap in uh, I think about 1985, <laughs> where um, they're fighting and then about 15 other players pile in and then one of West Brom's players just goes right into the middle of the melee, grabs Carlton Palmer by the neck and just drags him out. Um, it's one of those where they got um, they both got sent off and kind of Keegan and Bremner style are chuntering at each other all the way off the pitch. Don't you utter their names close to the, that of Carlton Palmer? Well, this is it. I mean, Bremner, our greatest number four of all time. I think Snowden wore four as well and, you know, didn't yeah, disgrace he, it. he sullied the shirt, didn't he? Carlton Palmer, Palmer yeah. did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about no, not very Bremner. I know, no. I know his mullet was never uh, <laughs> Snowden's mullet was never great. Um, and then so soon after David Batty, who had kind of lived up to that Bremner template. I think I mean, you have to remember we, we signed Palmer. 
I think that um, Graham Taylor documentary, Do I Not Like That, was still quite fresh in the memory. Yeah. When he came out of that looking like just an absolute penis, didn't he? I always remember a, a cartoon of him in an early square ball that had uh, <laughs> it, it had elastic bands attaching his thighs to his calves <laughs> and a, a massive joint. It's, yeah, we have Carlton Palmer, he smokes marijuana, and then uh, convicted for sexual assault, I think, later in his Later in his life. And that advert of him in the bath, I mean, he never really gave anybody an excuse to uh It's to quite like sinister, him. quite mm. sinister. Something in the eyes. So the only thing about Palm, Palm was we pretty much spent as much on him as we sold David Batty for, yeah. and he was a replacement. It stacking. was that, that mad sequence, by Dean, sell Batty, buy Palmer, all for about the same amount of money. But um, when we when we interviewed Howard Wilkinson... Not that, we, not that we mentioned it much <laughs> on this podcast. Um, he, he gave us the distinct impression that it was just cash flow. We had the money to buy Dean, then we didn't have the money to keep Batty, and then we had the money to buy Palmer. Um, On a so similar score of uh, looking at direct trades, when we sold um, Aaron Lennon's sell-on clause to buy Kevin Nichols, oh, that, that proved to be a good bit of business. Well, there is one figure that, that nobody ever grew to love because he was such a pussy, wasn't he? Kevin Nichols. Dennis Wise came in and made him captain, didn't he? And sort of went, oh, he's the right kind of player. And then within about a week, changed his mind and said, actually, no. I can't do this. That was a dickhead. There's lots of people here shouting at me. I don't like it. And he seems to really like looting. His Dennis Wise was one who was manager. I just never liked seeing him there. Gus Poirier kind of got over the whole Chelsea connection thing by being a nice guy. Can't really say that about Dennis Wise. And then you kind of tie him up with, uh, well, I'd love to tie him up with Jody Morris and then leave them in the desert with no food. Liam Kirby mentioned Jody Morris on Twitter, said Jody Morris had a brief stint where he was liked. I remember him collapsing after Newcastle at home through exhaustion, sort of hoped he wouldn't get up. <laughs> he did. We went down that work that year. Coincidence. You remember when Jody Morris came back and he scored a penalty for Millwall as yeah. well and celebrated in front of the Leeds fans. Did like his he... trumpet blow in? But again, it's another one that we basically kicked out of the club for, I mean, it was sexual assault in a lay-by that time, wasn't it? That it, it was and then turning up for training drunk. All allegedly, but it's how it was reported at the time. <laughs> well, and he's coming back this year if you because he's signed for Bristol, so we're going to have him back at Elton's Road. Oddy, you've scribbled down um, the name Lee Sharp on this piece of paper in front of me. I mean, what's your thing about Lee Sharp? Apart from the obvious, that he played for Man United, I was a total twat. That celebration... That mm. wank, wanky dancing. Arm, I think it was yeah. wanky dancing, wasn't it? It was That's known as right, in, yeah. in the square ball back in the era. In yeah. That era. Yeah. I remember when he signed as well because my wife was in hospital with our first child. She'd been admitted um, and I'd been to the hospital. Then got home uh, to find out we signed Lee Sharp. And I was sat at home on my own going, she'll want to know this. She'll want to know this. Deep down knowing she probably doesn't really. She's in hospital. <laughs> Guess who we've signed? <laughs> Guess who we've spunked a load of money on? Well, do you know, I was um, on my way down to Nebworth. Remember, Oasis played the two massive concerts in, at Nebworth in 96. And I think I went to the Sunday and drove down, got to the hotel. As was customary, now obviously you go on Twitter, you go on the internet, but we got to the hotel, got the telly on straight in the room, teletext, 302 for the football. Leeds United spent four, £4.5 million? Pounds? Like on Lee Sharp, oh well, he's. You know, I guess he's all right. He's a good. That's a lot of money. Where are we getting that sort of money? Oh, it's Lee Sharp for a man mm. who takes that amount of coke. <laughs> he's put that in his book. Oh, he, okay. he has that in his book. Oh, he, so we're not mixed to that. Can we say that at that time? At some time, That's I can't remember. remember. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Who took that amount of coke at some point in his life? The yes, weird yes. thing with uh, Lee Sharp that John Phelan mentioned on Twitter was that there was actually some excitement when he did sign because he was a a big fee. 
and he had been good. And there was an angle where it was like, ha, you thought by getting Cantona, you'd got one over on us. Well, we've got Lee Sharp now and now we'll show you. And then I think it was the the, the first time we saw them both on the same pitch was 4-0. And I'm pretty sure I've, for, I've seen something, I read something that where Bacon-faced Ferguson was laughing his head off at I've been rinsed us for four and a half million quid for Sharp, who was essentially a bit of a crock when he had Ryan Giggs just uh, coming through and waiting in the wings, didn't he? Yeah. Still lives in Leeds. What happened to him? Uh, if eh? we see you around, Lee, <laughs> uh, we'd love to have you on as a guest. The scum theme, um, <laughs> it continues as well with uh, friend of the magazine, podcast, everything really. Uh, Eamon Dalton, there was something about Casper Schmeichel I didn't like, and by something I mean everything, the buffet-loving fuck. <laughs> that made me laugh. There's a, an odd one as well from uh, Dave Mint. Who says Gary McAllister? Ooh, that's, contra- never- that's controversial, that. It's quite controversial. What's the reasoning? Uh, he never actually warmed to him. Great player, but something about the man I didn't love. Respect, yes. Love, no. I was going to say, sometimes it can just be a case of our personal looks. And this is this is a brilliant one. Uh, Matthew Britton, who's uh, the Pigeon Post on Twitter, has just put, Pierre Laurent hated his face. <laughs> just totally irrational. No good reasoning. I quite like that. That's a good enough reason as any. Is he the same one who put on Facebook? Somebody just wrote in response to this, just went, Pierre. We all knew. Uh, yeah. I didn't of, mind Pierre Laurent. I thought it's not a common. It's not a common Yorkshire name, is it? Really? No, we haven't had many Pierres over the years. Speaking of uh, of general face hating, uh, Turbo Donut on Twitter said Nigel fucking geography teacher face fucking Worthington. Just <laughs> a, a fair assessment of his face. It was. A, I mean, it's strange. He's a. He was never good for us. Wilkinson loved him and signed him, I think, about 17 times for different... Well, no, four times. He didn't manage that many clubs. I would never put him in, like, the the hate class. And so... and No, but, I, you know, it's funny that now you see this is... I've got to disagree with you because I, I had an irrational hatred of Nigel Worthington uh, because at that time I used to sit in the East Stand uh, when it was the family stand when we could afford it and before Ken Price is out. That's another argument. Mm. Um, You're not a child anymore, Dan. <laughs> I can still sit on my dad's knee even though I'm 34. Um, anyway, and I remember obviously half a game, you get the left hand side of the pitch, don't you? Uh, to you, you get the left back, and I remember just seeing him trundle up and down there. But this was this was only a few years after the wake of Tony Dorigo, who was probably my favourite player from that era mm. ever. He was a sublime fullback. No, they were in the team together, weren't they? But it was sort of towards yeah. the back end of Dorigo's career with Leeds, and Worthington had been brought in for God knows what reason. But Dorigo was majestic, and I remember him being christened the Fossil. Worthington because yeah. he, he was old he was slow he's not really aged has he he looks pretty much the same now as I remember him I think he, for Leeds he looked like that from when he was about 15 yeah I was going to say he had the look of a, of a he's like Benjamin Button sort of I character I think if you look back you, you'll probably find games where we played Tony Dorigo at left back and Nigel Worthington at left wing yeah and then they overlapped and he, yeah. the that he overlapped what, what a fucking a... terrible <laughs> idea but slowly but Fede, it, but it, another good one here, Fede Bassoni, Joseph Carl's mentioned this on Facebook, another one of the left back. God, we could list loads of them, couldn't it's we? It's all off. Well, David Robinson immediately Robinson? comes to Robertson. mind. David Robertson, sorry, immediately comes to mind. So it's all the fullbacks in Storigo and Sterling who get some... Because uh, David Kerslake came to my mind as well. Who, But I think I'd, I feel bad hammering Kerslake too much because we hadn't realised how broken Mel Sterling was and were panicking to fill the gap before Kelly came along. And speaking of hammers as well, and this is where I was thinking about people with uh, irrational hatreds of players. Andrew Natten, who says uh, he couldn't stand David Healy, can't explain why, but I'd like to take a hammer to the loathsome little prick. And <laughs> I, was, I look back at David Healy, I think sequence of fairly good goals for us. Yeah, like a, a, good, a good striker on our, on the way down. But 
loathsome little prick, according to Andrew. Well, this is great, and this often manifests itself in the stands at Ellen Road, doesn't it? Because you, you, you can sit there and you'll hear somebody from over your shoulder a few feet away hammering the same player over and over yeah. again. You're like, Fucking pass it. You know, why don't you do this? Give it to him. And, and I chose did, I chose Luke Varney to be that player against Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't Healy give the cop a wave when he was still playing for Preston? Was yeah. His name? Well, that immediately so, gave him cult hero yeah, status, yeah. didn't it, when you start doing things like that? I think Dan's right about the proximity of certain players to where you are mm. in the stand. Because <laughs> I was also in the family stand in the David Robertson era. And I was... As Neil Masterman says, uh, I was only a kid at the time, but he made me so irate, I was nearly dragged out of the family stand for berating him. <laughs> and he's one of those players when they used to, it doesn't seem to happen anymore, or maybe I'm just not in the stand in time, but reading through the team, and it would be a way, Robertson. <laughs> Occasional booze, mainly just a, oh, fuck's sake. But he was one of George Graham's mates, wasn't he? You know, all these yeah. are fa- fairly recent in, in fairly recent memory. There are a few older ones that people have highlighted as well. I mean, for Nigel example, Worthington's old enough. Yeah. <laughs> John Abbott, um, as mentioned on Twitter, I think I can safely say that I was never won over by Sniffer's relegation-inducing team signings Barnes and Burns. We spent a fair amount of money on those at the time, didn't we? Yeah, I think those are players where you look at them and you're expecting them to be brilliant, and then when they're not immediately brilliant, there's... Uh, the pressure raises and it becomes a more intense, intense problem. Oddie, you're the oldest one amongst us. Do you actually remember this era or not? I won't, I won't, for once, I won't lay into you and take the piss out of your age, but do you remember this? I do actually remember Peter Barnes, yeah. who could always take that one too many touches and just run the ball out of play and never actually put a cross in. He was a million pounds as well. Yeah, which was a lot of money back then. That was a it's million pounds It's a lot of bloody then. money yeah. now. When yeah. was the last time we signed a player for a million pounds? <laughs> There's a... Um, Managers coming in for some, uh, well, one manager, yeah, <laughs> um, coming in, uh, Terry Venables, who I remember when he arrived, I printed off at work, I took a picture of him and made it mono and printed off like a Che Guevara thing to put on the wall, um, of El Tel. I look back and think, why the hell did I do that? And Simon Brown, who was described Venables, um, as a fucking orange piece of shit, <laughs> um has sums it up quite well. He said, uh, but even then, um, I told myself I'd support him till he gave us good reason not to. And he gave us that reason straight away when he delayed starting the job for a week because of a long-standing business arrangement that turned out to be filming some Australian TV programme. Even then, I thought, bollocks to you, fat man. He was the very antithesis of what it is to be a Yorkshireman and a Leeds fan, isn't he? I think sort of glossy, cockney, tanned... Uh, slick. We we like sort of awkward, deeper characters yeah. who who are pale. He, <laughs> he brought with him. I think all the players he signed probably end up on on this list for someone or or the Ocon is definitely here. Yeah. Barnby is here. Barnby never really did anything wrong in a lead shirt apart from not be very good. And not but, fucking off. But loads of play- yeah. But loads of players did that. But still, there's that edge of just. Every time he's, well, he's sacked by Hall now, but Barnby and uh, Darren Anderson as well, who he never actually signed, but was hated as a potential Leeds player because <laughs> everyone's like, he's gonna sign fucking Anderton next, and I can't fucking stand him. And he never actually did turn up, but I still think he deserves a place on Sli- this list. A slightly guilty one for me is Howard Wilkinson. Yeah, me too. Actually, which I think. I'll he explain won the league, this. I'm going to explain it, but I didn't see it. I wasn't. I wasn't there for it, and I think that's why I. I Do you hate st- Don Revy as well because you weren't no, there for that? I, but I started watching. I started watching Leeds sort of ninety three, ninety four was my first season of of getting into watching us, and from that point on, he wasn't actually very good. And John Lukic the same. Like my memories of Lukic are 
have the panic-stricken, don't pass it back to him, John Lukic, not the good goalkeeper, John Lukic. I was always a Mark Beanie man. <laughs> I, I, I've, I'm actually guilty in the worst way because I did see us win the league and did feel exactly the same way. That, but obviously, you know, it was the naivety of youth. You don't know any different, do you? You only, you, you know, you can't see the, you know, a twenty-year plan, a ten-year plan. You can't look back at the man's history. It's just about what Leeds United are doing on the day, right then, that season. I can't believe we're putting Harold Wilkinson in a category alongside El Hadji. No, he's absolutely As not. I said, it's, <laughs> a guil- it's a guilty one. And if, El, if Harold Wilkinson was going to spit, it would be in a spittoon. Yeah. But I, that's I, I the mark of the man. And we can see by the, some of the names we've mentioned, Nigel Worthington, about the players who are having to bring in. What could he do with players like that? We know, and, and this is the thing well, is that now not sign I mean, them. Since <laughs> since we interviewed him, which we haven't mentioned much, um <laughs> I, it gave me a, a really good insight and another a much deeper perspective on what Wilco was about and the constraints he was facing at the club financially and the speed with which change had to happen at Ellen Road. So I, I would like Howard to formally apologise for not liking you very much do you think, towards the back end of your reign. Do you think one day that um Joe Billingham from Twitter will We'll see the deeper insight into what Neil Kilkenny was trying to achieve at Leeds United and we'll no longer regard him as a smug little bastard or that might be written off. It's like, I like his signing offline. It says, although on the plus side, he dislikes base. Yeah, I was. I mean, I never minded Kilkenny when he was here, but I liked him a lot more when he did that celebration. It was the only time I've seen an opposition player score and go, get in there, my son. Yeah. Somebody who turned into a hate figure, not so much somebody you never warmed to, but... Would you class Mark Hazelwood in that? Obviously, very famously flicked the V's at the cop and then never pulled on the shirt again. Wilkinson, you know, said, you don't do that, off you go. Was he never liked much? It, that was uh, the culmination of weeks of him being booed. And yet he was uh, he was club captain at, the, at one point, wasn't he? He wasn't a bad player, was he? Mm. You say I can't really remember this. I've, I was there and I can remember it happening to this day. And, you know, but I just can't remember the sort of, the period around it when it was getting all the stick. <clears throat> Alan Drobe Bartat from Twitter said that even the name of a even the mention of Azelwood's name fills me with anger. The twat, I'll be in a bad mood all day now. So he does <laughs> he's still got that power more than like, twenty five years later. Some honourable mentions then Eddie Taylor, East Stand Upper on Twitter says Jeff Horsfield, the moment he arrived I knew we were in trouble. I like that, it's very true. I find it a bit harsh though. I quite liked Jeff Horsfield. I don't know. As a as a journeyman kind of player, it wasn't his fault that we he was the kind of player we're bringing. But who are we, we need to blame someone on it? We need to blame. <laughs> we need to give blame out. It's blame Eddie then. We'll blame um <laughs> bloody Michael Ricketts if you're looking to blame somebody at that era. There oh, was a yeah, there yeah. was a player yeah. to hate, Jeff Horsfield at least with a reasonable size and shape. Good point here made by Rob C, which is Rob underscore LUFC on Twitter. It says, Lee Bowyer arrived as a scumbag, became a legend, left as a scumbag. It's quite a nice description. Became yeah, a legend in slightly scumbag circumstances as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Acted a bit like a scumbag. And uh, we should mention Gary McSheffery for your uh, benefit, Moscow. Never played for Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say about him for now. And um, El Hadj Juf then, given that this section was put together in his in his honour. Well, it's a funny. I I don't know. I mean, I think it's a strange debate. This argument of like, oh, he plays for Leeds now, so you've got to cheer him. I think this kind of shows that. I mean, you don't. Nigel Worthington played for Leeds, and I'm sure when he came over, to, when he came over to take a corner, people weren't standing up and <laughs> clapping him just because he's managed to walk towards a corner flag without spitting at anybody. Man of his age, though. 
Well, he, he deserved the round of applause, whereas Ohad Shuf is he still looks like a, a fit guy. So there's not, there shouldn't be that feeling of pressure that just because they wear a Leeds United shirt, they're gods. If you took, if you took any eleven people and put them in a room, I bet you at least one of them's a wanker. Well, there are four of us in here, and I can spot at least three. <laughs> Fourth and final part of the Square Ball podcast now. A look ahead to what is happening coming up. Not many games in the next in the next fortnight. Not many. One. <laughs> yeah, we've got Blackburn at home, haven't we? And a little bit further away on the horizon on the 15th of September is the Cardiff away game. Would now be a good time to tell you about a dream I had where Steve Keane had loads of really thick hair and big thick eyebrows. Yes. That was it, really. I cannot, <laughs> That's the only image that stayed with me as I, as I woke up. But yeah, he had like a, a big kind of thick kind of brillo pad hair and really big chunky long spindly eyebrows like an old man would have fantastic yeah have you followed all the conspiracy theories about how he basically runs blackburn on behalf of a glasgow mafia and that the (laughs) the venkies are like just a puppet organization and instead it's steve keen and some serious glaswegian businessmen who actually run things and but just why use would it. they want Steve Keane managing it if that was run by Sure they want them they to want, be good. Do they want to, oh, yeah, would they not want a good team? No, it's just a front for like their criminal activities. It's not actually well, playing bad football. Well the the football is just laundering money. It's just yeah, the front for it's it's like if you had a a shop. <laughs> 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 Football isn't their priority. Their priority is uh, nefarious business. We just so like to say, just all. for the record. Oh, it's all just stuff off the internet that I've read. I don't believe a word of it myself. We, yeah, we don't I mean, any Steve, Steve Keane is a, a good, honest, upright man. The Venkies are um, excellent. I the Venkies don't actually sell chicken. They uh, they sell children. <laughs> the chicken's just a front. There's children inside the chickens quite often. Well, that and they're ad- trafficking them. That advert that they made the players make has suddenly taken on a much more sinister, sinister turn. <laughs> Back in some way towards but, reality then. Blackburn at home, it's category A. Could be a bit of uh, discontent from both home and away fans. We could all join in together. Yeah. They can join in with Bates out. We'll join in with, yeah. actually, because well, I think everyone finds the Our owners are worse thing. than your owners. We all find Stick that. that. Most people find the Venkies thing funny. So, I mean, <laughs> we should have solidarity with our fellow supporters who suffer idiot um, owners. But It's quite of, funny. Yeah, yeah. We've got to get to League One before they have... Uh, yes, exactly. They have, they have proper sympathy. They've got to suffer yeah. like we suffer. I imagine sitting in the West Stand having paid 36 quid for tickets, they'll be... Enough hostility there towards yeah. Bates. Yeah, just a direct it all that. They can they can have a week off from. Well, I doubt they'll leave Keane alone, but they can leave Venkis alone for a while and have a go at our owner for a change. Because um, Mister We Beat the Scum One Nil did uh, end last season in fine style by taking a Bates out flag to Ewood Park. It's one of the greatest achievements of last season is for the moment of Blackburn's relegation <laughs> being confirmed when all the cameras zoom swooped in on. Uh, Steve Keane, all he could see in the background was Bates, Bates out. out. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, Blackburn, haven't they? They've signed a player who looks quite good. I can't remember who he is, but I saw it on the Football League show and he looked all right. So, uh, watch so, out for him. So, yeah, <laughs> look, out, look out for him. You can see why we've slimmed down this section, can't you? Yeah. Have they um, still got Alan Shearer? Uh, yeah, so Tim, uh, Tim Sherwood patrolling the midfield. Yeah, right, yeah. Stuart Ripley's uh, still aiming the cross. Is he's it? A, he said, yeah, he's a knocking lawyer him. Now, isn't he? knock, he's what? He's a lawyer, is Stuart Ripley? Isn't is he? Yeah, works um, in uh, a law practice in Manchester. 
So the wages weren't that good at Blackburn then. Clearly. Do, you, do you remember I told you once that I had a coming together with a young lady who looked a lot like Craig Hignett when I was at university? I might have mentioned it on the podcast before. <laughs> when you it say coming together. Me. Well, I don't want to say the words, but yeah, I, I had a, a, a moment. With... When I think of a coming together, I think of a car crash. No, I... I well... Did you pull up had, to? Did you pull up to the well. bumper? I had relations with her. Anyway, that was we, we soon established afterwards that she looked a lot like Craig Hignett. And then a mate of mine who pointed this out to me at the time, all those years ago at university, dropped me a message on Facebook to say, "Allow him for the passage of time. Have a look for uh, the golfer Alathabal because that's what she looks like now." Just thought I'd mention that. I don't think Craig Hignett plays for them anymore, so you're probably <laughs> safe. Oh well. So looking ahead to the uh, to the Cardiff match. Uh, a couple of weeks Anyone away. ever sleep with a Colin Hendry lookalike? <laughs> I think yeah, that'd be passable, to be honest. Colin Hendry was a horrendous looking man. Not from the back, he had lovely hair. <laughs> oh, it was a bit, it was a bit scarecrow. There was that Scottish uh, curling woman who looked a bit like Colin Hendry. Some people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the Winter Olympics about 10 years ago. People oh, Sh- like, is it Shona something? Yeah. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, had a, she had a slight Colin Hendry. You could have said anything there and you would have said, oh yeah, that sounds right. Was it Lorna? L- Lorna yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Maybe. Lorna so. McTavish. Mc, um, <laughs> Was it Rasheen McCormack? Anyway, let's talk about Cardiff quickly because that's uh, one we don't normally do very well. <laughs> Is that Blackburn done with? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we better not talk anymore. We're getting lost. Um, Cardiff away we don't normally do well down there we did alright last year with that draw where nobody wanted to go including the management or the players they've changed shirts it might changed bring us everything luck. the Cardiff <laughs> Red Devils no it's not Red Devils it's Red, um, Red yeah Dragons. Dragons. Dragons but they're calling them the Red Birds aren't they or something I don't know, I don't know. who cares it's that's, the only that's time an I've... appalling bit of business that isn't it just to the only well, time I felt sympathy for quid. Cardiff. No, yeah no. but I mean this is like battle, battle of the shit owners these, uh, these, <laughs> yeah, these <laughs> three games <laughs> There should be some kind of trophy awarded at the end. Turd mounted on a plinth. <laughs> it's always been our blue away kits have been eyed with suspicion ever since Ken Bates has arrived. But he's never gone quite as far as just changing the whole shirt ethos badge. There were such twats about it as well, saying they were going to do it and then say, oh, actually, no, we've had a rethink. We realise it's the wrong thing to do and we didn't want to upset everybody. And we'll just and do it anyway. Yeah, they just did it anyway. <laughs> and they banged out a badge where they just, um, they'd obviously had the badge designed and then thought, oh, we'll just stick a bluebird on it. So they just stretched the shield a little bit and banged a bluebird on the bottom. It's like, there, what more do you want? History. There. There's your heritage <laughs> there, right there. Yeah, another case of uh, you kind of sympathise with the fans because you really wouldn't want it happening to you, but it's also quite funny because it's not happening to you. Well, then you remember it's only 10 years have passed since they were throwing bottles of piss at yeah, Leeds fans in Indian Park and cheering on Sam Hamann while he did that. Right, let's talk about... Hassling sh- Nigel Martin from behind the goal, goal net. Let's talk about shit owners. We This is the, the amazing return of the Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite Award. I thought you were going to go on straight on to um, the new magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the shit owners of the square ball. I was thinking, which one of us Goodness, is he pointing no. the finger at now? The the famous Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite Awards. We need we need to get some nominations uh, in the mixer for this. Obviously, we're going to give Ken an award, uh, Ken a nomination rather, because he hasn't completed the takeover yet. Is that fair enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And also, his boasts about Yorkshire radio and all that kind of. Just Ken, yeah, Ken, Ken. being Ken. Um, who else would you like to nominate? Leeds United Stationery Cupboard for a lack of pens. Yeah, to sign said documents. Yeah, somebody should be um, handling that. So Leeds' is admin manager. Carlton Palmer, I think he, just because we've had to think about him again today, admittedly we brought it on ourselves, 
But, by, um, by deciding to do that. Yeah. But he brought it upon us in the first place by being born. So he deserves uh, to be in the running for this. Who he else did, is there? He didn't do much wrong besides have abuse yelled at him. Darren Ferguson? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's been on the radar in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, for one, still don't like him. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. So should we call that it? Should we close nominations around mm. those four? Ken Bates, the Leeds United Stationery Department for a lack of pens, Carlton Palmer and Darren Ferguson. Gents? I think the most significant change could be brought about by Leeds United Stationery Department. I don't see why the fans should have to provide the club with pens. when we. Why do we pay £30 for a match ticket if they're not going to spend it on some decent pens? We've been asking for years for the club to prioritise. Stop wasting money on hotels. Stop wasting money on corporate pavilions. Stop wasting money on Yorkshire Radio Howard's pens. Get some proper pens bought. Ironically, you do tend to get free pens in hotels. So if we had a hotel, well, it's just like ample yeah. supplies. It's just like which just goes to show it's just Gradle. It's just Gradle, Howson, Johnson, Kilkenny, Snodgrass, all given away for free. Just like the pens. If we just keep the pens we had, we'd probably be in the Premier League by now. And there we go then, the Leeds United Stationery Department wins the inaugural Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award for this season. Congratulations. Get yourself some pens. And a protractor as well. They are always handy. Magazine, yeah, first issue of the season. Out for Wolves. We'll be selling it against Blackburn as well. Thank you to everybody who bought it so far. If you haven't bought it so far, up yours. You should That's do, yeah. Good way of <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> appealing to customers. <laughs> well, they're not customers yet. That's the point. Oh, the pricks, aren't they? Yes, exactly. Sorry, I've remembered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this you is... can make it up to us by subscribing for the whole season. Yeah, don't be a prick, be a customer. That's <laughs> how we're promoting TSB this year. Excellent. Yeah, in the first issue, you can find the pullout on the Tony. No, Bogle. don't tell them. Just buy it, and then they'll know. Okay, it's like buying a season ticket in at Christmas. You don't know what you're getting. <laughs> All right, yeah. Subscribe now then or, or face the consequences. £25 in the UK, uh, £33 for Europe, 40 quid for the rest of the world. Of course, the digital sub costs a tenner and that is thrown in with a paper sub as well if you get any of the above. Uh, of course, if you fancy reading more of the Square Ball, have a look on the website. It's the squareball.net. And if you go on there, you'll actually see what is in the magazine. We will tell you whether you're a prick or not without hiding it. Hey, look, let's, let's shoot off then. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight to talk more inane nonsense talk about the Blackburn game in excruciating depth (laughs) Uh, drop us an email podcast at thesquareball.net probably don't work yeah have you fixed that yet I don't know how to do it (laughs) fucking fix it if you have been emailing us lately sorry we've not responded Dan's broken the email you can always tweet us at the square ball. He hasn't, bro- he hasn't broken Twitter yet. You can always tweet us at the square ball on Twitter or you can get hold of us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash the square ball. So goodbye from me. Bye from Michael. Goodbye. Bye from Moscow. Goodbye. Bye from Oddy. Goodbye. And we say thank you and farewell. We'll speak to you again in a fortnight. Bye bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. There we go. The Leeds United Statesbury Department wins the inaugural Leeds. Uh, Rinse the inaugural. And there you go, the uh, Leeds United. <laughs> and, uh, and there you go, the Leeds United Stationery Department wins the inaugural. And there you go. <laughs> but your pen's very nice. Where'd you get that pink pen? Here we go. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> Still. And there we go then, the Leeds United Stationery Department wins the inaugural Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award for this season. Congratulations. Get yourself some pens. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.